Well, tonight I have a message. Seems like a lot of people are on vacation, which is great. It's a good time for me to practice. Um, the title of the message is called Rewards of a Faithful Soldier to be Used by God. And um, we got back from Tent Nation this week, and I was just kind of really thinking about the whole week. And there's a lot of things that happened, I think, that just kind of blew my mind. And I'm like, why, how does God use this situation and why is he using like these people in this situation? And I, I think I came up with uh, four points or four keys. God says, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. So I have four keys um, of rewards of being a faithful soldier. And I think a lot of people get used by God. And other people look at it and say, why is God using them? And I think I kind of said that this week. I was like, wow, there's some people doing some really big things for the Lord. And I'm like... I can definitely tell you're not qualified because a lot of a lot of people jumped in to help, but it, that's not always the case. Is whether or not um, you know the Bible talks about being a good and faithful servant, not a good and talented servant. Yes, He wants you to be talented, but He wants you to be faithful. He wants you to do, just do the things He's asked you to do, no matter if you you say I can do them or not. And I really got to see the Russians work this week, which was quite a sight. Uh, <laughs> and so I think that's where I kind of got this sermon. And I said, you know, what does it really take? I, I started looking at these people's heart. And I started comparing their hearts to like maybe some people around me that, you know, that want to be used by God, maybe some people in this church. And I'm wondering, like, you know, why doesn't God use us more? And then I look at these people and I'm like, oh, I think I, I'm kind of getting why, you know, we're not doing more. But, um, and I think that because Tent Nation has started to come to us, I think that we're bringing the next tent here. So I'm going to start to prepare us for what that looks like since we've been there all week. And I was in charge of actually doing all the, do you have a picture of the tents? I was in charge of um, doing all the tutorials on how to build the tents. And so we shot everything from staking the ground out to um, uh, the, the poles, how to measure around the tent. And then we, uh, we shot tutorials on how to tie the ropes. You can go to some of the other pictures. Just scroll through them if you want. So there was a smaller tent, holds about 300 to 350 people. That's kind of like a, and this was obviously a whole soft launch. And there was a lot of people that helped out in this deal, which was, which was awesome. If you can go to another picture, there's a, there's a tent picture um, of the big tent. The big guy, there he is. That one took about a whole week to set up, and we only used it for a weekend. They said that a lot of their events, they only do minimum 10 days because of how long. I think we started on Monday, and we didn't get the thing really ready to go till Friday. And it was a long process of getting everything. I mean, there was a lot of people that just to you know, push the tent up. I have videos on all that. There's all these people under there holding poles as we're trying to get the thing um, up. But it was a lot of fun. And, you know, we got to work with the Russians. They, this is basically their churches over there. A lot of them do have churches or like Christian community centers now or mission centers is what they call them. And they do worship there, but they, a lot of them just take these tents. Some of them, some, one woman who does this, she's like really old and she goes up into Siberia and she preaches the gospel all over and um, Yevgeny, which is a really big Russian guy, says that him and five guys can put that whole tent up, which nobody believed him when it took like 30 of us to get that tent up. <laughs> but um, it was really cool to see their heart for America. America donated the first tent to Russia, and so now Russia is donating tents back to America, which is kind of like, you know, the seed that we've sown is now coming back to us because, you know, we, America needs it now. I mean, they need it too, but we need it as well. And... Um, um, you know, a lot of the big tent revivals started in America is from what I've learned. 
and now they're bringing the tents back to the States because tents don't have doors. People come into a church, they've come in, they sit in the back, you know, they feel like they're constricted. The tents open, people can walk in and out. They said people feel like they're in control. And so when people feel like they're in control, they'll come in. Um, a lot of people just said, they put these right in the center, of, in the middle of town, and people will say, oh, I was just walking by and I heard the music. They come in, they hear the gospel, they hear the message of hope. They said, I've never been told this before. And then they get born again. And then night after night, they just keep getting bigger and bigger. Three weeks will go by, they'll do a crusade, which this was a lot of work. I think we did one week and I thought I was gonna die. <laughs> we talked about this. I think we, I think we worked... We woke up at, I woke up at 8 o'clock in the morning and didn't go to bed till past midnight every day. And um, I was so exhausted. But they do this every day for like three weeks. And then they say the crowds are so big that they go outside of the tent and then they have no pastor and they just pack it up and they leave town. And I was like, man, that is so sad. They have nobody there to feed them. And these people overseas are so hungry um, for God. And so dad wants to bring <laughs> that one here, which that holds 1,200 people. And uh, a coke tried to steal me, said he was going to take me, and I was going to be a, a tent evangelist for Christian Adventures. And Leslie looked at a coke and says, no, I think uh, Pastor Morgan already has something for Justin to do at, um, at the church. And so Cope goes, well, we're still going to try to use him to, <laughs> to, to take these tents out there. So I, I've, I thought about quitting and going out on the road and seeing the world, but then I realized how much work it was. <laughs> and, I, and I said, at least I can tell my dad I'm taking a day off and I'm out of here. With them, I had to, um, and I'm gonna talk a little bit about this tonight, with them, I had to kind of sneak away like I was gonna do something and I'd crash, take a nap. You know, because it was like there was never an off. They just, they just work and work and work and, and then they, and I'm like, how, you know, we kept joking. and says, what are the Russians drinking to keep working like this? So I, I just, I think there's a lot of work coming to our church some of the Russians are going to come help. Um, it's going to be a lot of work. I'm not even going to lie to you. Kevin said this. He said, I'm going to tell you guys now, this is a lot of work. So if you want to run, run now. And people were just like, yeah. <laughs> and as the week went on, people started dipping off. <laughs> Next day, I think the, the iMove training kept getting fewer and fewer as it went on. But it was so good. You know, we're, they're actually teaching you how they do things overseas. And I think a lot of Americans were like, yeah, that's not how we do things here, so we'll, we'll, we'll catch you back on Friday. Um, but it was good for me to see uh, uh, just a different day. Kevin says that he gets, he's over there so long, he has home and land over there, that he says coming back to America sometimes is dangerous for him because he gets so complacent, and, and he won't see the move of God like he'll see over there, and, and that kind of gets into his system. And so um, he loves going back over there, and there's just a lot that's happened. I told him I want to go with him. I want a video. I want to see. I know that's like doubting Thomas. You know, I want to see. But in a way, I do. It creates vision. Um, I loved watching what they did. And so I think that I was watching Kevin and Leslie this week, and I said, what does it require to do, be a faithful soldier? And a lot of these guys at work. First thing is that... Um, God requires a very strong foundation. There's going to be a lot of Christians that are going to jump on the bandwagon and say they want to do things for God. They want to be used by God, but they don't have any foundation and they're not going to last. And so God wants a church to get a strong foundation. Um, uh, let's see, we're going to go to Luke 6, 47. And I'm going to try to go through some of these fast because I know I can preach forever after this year. I've preached a lot, so I know, I know I can go over an hour. 
Whoever comes to me saying these, um, whoever comes to me and hears these sayings of mine and does them will show you whom he is like. He's a man that's building his house who dug deep, laid the foundation on the rock, and when the flood arose and the streams beat violently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on that rock. And then the man who is like, uh, then they heard there was a man who built his house on the earth without a foundation. When the streams beat violently on it, immediately it fell, and great was the ruin of that house, was, or that ruin of that house was great. Um, having a strong foundation, you're, there's going to be so many things that happen that are going to shake people. And I think that even d- during the last week, there were so many times where it, the days got long and hard and I wanted to shake. I wanted to, you know, react out of my flesh and I just did not do it. People said things to me that, you know, pe- you know I, we went on the street and evangelized. People said things that weren't nice. People weren't necessarily rude, um, but... There was, there was some, definitely some hostility out there. And if, I, and if I didn't have a strong foundation in who I was, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. I can't do this. These people are, are not treating me right. We had a, a security guard who wasn't saved and I talked to him at night. He said some things to me that if, he, if some people in this church heard the things he was saying right at the church, they, you know, they would have just went off on him. And I think that having a great, good, strong foundation keeps you rooted and grounded. It means you're gonna be faithful to, A, faithful to church. Um, it says, that, I'm just gonna quote this, Ephesians 2.19, you're members of the household of God. So being a member of the household of God, Paul wrote to churches, not to individual members. So number one, being a member of church, getting a strong foundation. That means you're not being swayed by what people say or new doctrines, Ephesians 4. Um, I'm going to go there real quick because there's a, there's a lot of things that got said this last week. (laughs) Um, let's see what, and he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints and for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Um, and he equipped the saints for the work of ministry he wants to equip the, you guys for the work of ministry. The church is not just, you know, you're a member of a household, but I love something Rodney Howard Brown says is that this is a training camp. We were at iMove training. That means that there was a lot of things that happened that week that weren't totally exciting. There was a lot of things that happened and that were said to me by the people that, I mean, they're not even my boss. My dad's my boss. I could have called my dad and said, man, I don't listen to these people. I'm out of here. And, um, but I just said, you know what? I'm gonna serve these people no matter what people say. Um, you know, people, people can get, I feel like people want to be used by God, but then they, they have no foundation in their life, first of all. And then, you know, anything a uh, pastor says, you know, they didn't like what the preacher said, or they didn't like what someone in church walked up and said to them. Well, if, you know, first of all, if you're going to be used by God, you can't be like, a, the Bible says people are like a wave tossed to and fro. Um, you know, they, they have no foundation. They're, so people will say things to them. And I hear it all the time here. This person said this, this person said that. Or pastor said this and I didn't like it. You know, so, you know, you're not gonna be used by God if you can't even handle stuff that's said and even in your own household. Because when you get out on the field, there's gonna be a lot more that's said to you. Yevgeny tells a story of a woman who he was trying to tell her about the gospel and she spit in his face. And Yevgeny's a big guy. And he's, he's a big Russian. He's like this tall and he's huge. And so the woman spits in his face. And you know what he said right at that moment? He was, I said, I wanted to punch her. But then I realized that she's lost and she needs Jesus. So he goes, I preached, the, I just told her about the love of God. F- 10 minutes later, the woman's crying and she gives her heart to Jesus. There's gonna be things that as we move on and God wants, this is a training camp. 
and he wants to train us. He wants us to get our, our skin toughened up because we're gonna go out and we're gonna win the loss to Christ. And if you have no foundation, if you're not in the word, if, if, you're, you know, if you're here for a few years and then something gets said to you and then you're gone, you never had a foundation to begin with. You can listen to sermons, you can read books. Even the Lord told me to dig more into the word, get more into the word and just stop reading just books all the time. Because, and you know, and you need that in your life. And so, um, you know, I'll just, uh, it says that, you know, this is just the beginning of the children of Israel. Um, I had to watch my mouth and how I complained out there because I, I told someone, I said, man, this, this person who is in charge of me is a slave driver. And uh, we started, I started complaining. And then I said, you know what, Lord, I've asked that you'd use me and you're using me. And now I'm complaining that I don't like the way I'm being used. And he reminded me of the scripture of the children of Israel. They complained and complained. And then God burned a fire around their tents and they complained. And the earth opened and swallowed them up. And then it says they were destroyed by the destroyer in 1 Corinthians. Um, they came back and gave a bad report. I mean, we could come back from Tent Nation and say, oh man, that was a lot of hard work. But it was actually a good thing. Many people got saved. And so I wanted to come back and have a good report. But many times, you know, we have just, just the simple things, the foundation of just people complaining. People will complain about the smallest little things. And sometimes I think it's like the children of Israel. You walk into church and it's, who put this here? Who put that here? And they're complaining about that. If we can't, um, uh, there's a scripture that I want to use. Um, and I'm not totally sure where I put it. But it says that if Uh, I think it was Paul says that I'm still coming back to you about the elementary things of Christ. I can't give you solid meat. We're still talking about the basics of Christianity. I think it's Ephesians 4. He goes into that. And so I believe that the church needs to rise out of the basics of Christianity, walking in love, how to deal with people. Because if we can't get past the small little things, you know, people just showing up to serve and not complain, then how are we going to go out and do the bigger things? And I think that's Watching the Russians, it was just like they kept their mouth shut and they just worked all day and did things. And you're like, wow, this is, um, you know, these people don't even break. And, and, I, and, and we, we stepped in in a lot of ways. And um, I could tell that um, God, they didn't have all the ability. And they didn't need all the ability because God just wants people to just start. And so the second point I'm going to come to is God requires strong faith. There are different kinds of faith mentioned in the Bible. It says that, um, I'm just go to Romans 4, 19 through 21. We'll get to the, back to the other one in a second. For Romans 4, 19 through 21. Um, nine, and, and Abraham, not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb, but he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was also able to perform. It says that Abraham was not weak in faith. Thomas, it says in John 20 to 25, was faithless. He t- Jesus told the disciples, you of little faith. Jesus said to the centurion, I've never, I haven't seen one of great, a man of great faith in all of Jerusalem. So there are different levels of faith. And I kind of realize that is that I think that we think we have great faith and I believe we do. Um, and then, you, you know, there's, um, but your faith can grow. 
uh, I'm trying to look for another scripture right here. Um, I'm sure I'll find it in a second. But Abraham was fully persuaded. And what, what I saw about that was there was a lot of things that happened last weekend where um, Kevin McNulty would get up and preach. And um, he would tell stories about healing the sick. And to me, I've been praying for people going out, but I don't always see what he's seeing. And so I'm like, Lord, how do I get fully persuaded? Because obviously Kevin says he'd be walking down the street and there'd be a guy in a wheelchair. And he says, you know that I have some really good news. And the guy would say, well, what is that? He says, you don't have to be in this wheelchair. You can walk. And he goes, well, how am I going to do that? And he goes on to tell this whole story. And Kevin just tells him about the Lord, prays for him. The guy starts feeling a warm sensation. And many times he would just say, now, what I want you to do is I want you to act on the word and just get up or try to get up. He'd tell stories of a woman who, while he was preaching in the crusade, she would, she would be trying to get up the whole time and he'd say, oh, that's nice. She's really trying hard. And he'd just keep preaching. And then eventually she'd get out of the wheelchair and then she would, then she would start walking. And as the night go on, he would keep preaching. And then eventually she was running around the crusade. And, eventually, and so then they brought her up and Kevin's not really paying any attention. You know, he sees this all the time and he's fully persuaded that God is gonna heal him. And he tells him that too. He says, I'm fully persuaded that God is gonna heal you. And he can. And, um, and, I, and so the Lord you know, told me, he's like, you wanna learn how what he's doing, go to these things and hang around those people. You wanna be, uh, Kevin hung out with T.L. Osborne. And so now we're, trying to go hang out with them to see more about what they're doing. And so he's fully persuaded that God is going to, you know, there was one other story that he told, oh, with the woman, I guess he found out. And so sometimes you don't know if they were in that wheelchair just because, they, you know, their legs were hurt. Because you, know, you see people at the grocery store, they're in the car and then they get out and then they walk off and you're like, I'm just going to pray for that person, but it seems like they're okay. <laughs> but um, she was, I guess everyone in the town knew her and she's been paralyzed since birth. And um, she got, she's never walked in her life. And so Kevin, just by him preaching the word, she received it. And he says this, if you want miracles, preach on miracles. If you want healings, preach on it, sow the seeds, and you'll see it. Um, the last night, there was a man who they pushed him up, and his wife pushed him up in a little car. I actually got it on video, and I was looking for the tape today, and I couldn't find it. So, uh, you know, I got to find this, because they're going to be upset if I didn't get all this footage, because that's what I was doing. I was filming so there was a guy and Leslie's preaching. And, you know, they say this is that when people seems like they're not getting it, we just keep preaching the word until they get it. And we'll just keep going and keep going. And then, so finally, I mean, you could tell the anointing was strong. They're preaching on healing. At first, you know, you can tell people are kind of like, okay, this is America healing. And then they just keep preaching on it. He keeps telling stories after story after story, people getting healed. Next thing you know, there's like 20, 30 people come to the front in Daytona. And, this, and, and Leslie prays for him. And she says, I don't, I can't, I'm not coming down to lay my hands on you. But she said, just that the sound of, of the word is what heals. And so she would pray over him. And then she says, now I've prayed for you. And the Russians made a statement. They say, in America, people pray for them and they go sit back down. Because this is what they're, he goes, but in Russia, we tell them, if we pray for them, now go do something you couldn't do. Act. Uh, it's a story with Kenneth Hagin. He said to the man when he prayed for him, and he felt the burning sensation going through his hands, he says, now try to bend down and see if you can touch your toes. He did that a few times. And then he says, Jesus appeared to him and chewed him out. 
And he said that, I said that my word works. And so finally, after him and Jesus argued about a couple times, Jesus went away and he was very, he said he was mad. So finally, Kenneth Hagin said he got it. And he says, bend down and touch your toes. He didn't say try, he said, do it. And the man bent down and touched his toes. And so that night, Leslie was preaching. This was the last night I was there. And she says, and she kept preaching and saying, you know, Christ has redeemed you from the curse and what the sickness on you is a curse. And she said, reject it. Do something that you couldn't do. If you're tired of the curse, reject it. I mean, if it told you you couldn't walk, get up and walk. If it told you that your neck hurt, move your neck. If it told you that your arm. And so, you know, this one guy, and I'm seeing him sitting there. He gets so fighting mad. And I believe that that's just what it takes. He got so, and he was getting so stirred up that he pushed himself right off that thing. And I'm like, is this, was this guy paralyzed? I have no idea. He pushes himself off that thing and then he stands up and he's got his hands up and, I mean, and so she's preaching and he's receiving it and then all of a sudden they have the new believers and he walks off and he totally forgets about his cart and he's just, and you can tell he's walking slow but he walks off and then he comes back and he grabs it and he pushes it off but I could see in his own heart he said I'm tired of this and then I'm going to act and so that's what they would say is now act on your faith and so you know what I noticed with the Russians as, as this is um, in, uh, you know, uh, with this ministry, that half of them I didn't think wouldn't even knew what they were doing, but they just were acting. We're just going to bring tents to America. I mean, you, it looked like a charade of, uh, you know, uh, the chickens going everywhere trying to get this thing set up, but they're just like, we're going to do it. And um, that, um, I remember I got with the, the music girl, and um, I took, I, she has all these iPhones in her hand and she's going to play MP3s for the artists and she's just plugging them in. And I'm like, there's a better way to do this. You give me all the songs on my laptop, we will play them. This is how we do this. And, she, you know, they're over there fumbling through phones and I'm just like, good Lord, you know, and they're pulling this off. This is, this, they're doing it. Uh, you know, they don't necessarily know how, but they and I said, you know, Lord, you have to forgive me for trying to have everything so perfect and right. Yeah. These people just, they don't, it's, they don't even ask a question that they need something until they've needed it 10 minutes ago. We get out there and they say, oh, by the way, we want to live stream this. We need internet. And I'm like, well, how are you, how are you planning on getting internet? They're like, we don't know. Can you, can you help us? And I'm like, I can build you an internet line that it's going to run from tent to tent. And we flew it up in the air and then we put it on the ground and I built 300 foot, I called my buddy, I says, how far can I go on one Cat5 cable before it drops the signal? He's like 300 feet, I'm measuring it out and I'm building cable for him. And, I, you know, it, and, it just, and then the next thing, it, we get that problem worked out and then it just goes to another one. And they, it's just like, to them, we're gonna, we're gonna, they've made it in their point in their heart that we're gonna do this. And that brings us, that there are different kinds of faith mentioned in the Bible. And the third thing, so the first thing God requires a strong foundation because you can't get moved by the circumstances around. You can't get moved by what people say. You can't get moved if, you know, um, on, on how people treat you because you're, you're going to get treated bad. You can't get moved on what Leslie or, or, or um, says to you if she tells you to do something different to change something or if pastor talks about a message, you can't be moved. Second thing, you need to... Um, God requires faith. The third thing, a strong faith. And the third thing is God requires blind faith. Um, I'm going to read this out of the Truth Bible. And this is really what I've, I've picked up. And um, Hebrews 11.8. So funny watching these people put this tan up. And I'm like, 
you know, if these guys can do it, they don't even speak English, and we're working together, why, couldn't we, why can't we not do this? Hebrews 11, 8. Um, Abraham was, a, was another man of great faith. There's that term again. So the Bible says he gives to each man a measure of faith, but then what you do with it is whether or not your faith is going to grow. Um, when God told him to go to a place where he would later become his inheritance, he believed what it was said, he obeyed, and went, even though he had no idea of his destination. He simply trusted God to lead him to the fulfillment of what he had promised. So it was by faith he entered into the promised land to make his home. And he was a stranger in a foreign country. What I love about that is he had no idea where he was even going or what he was doing. But he was just, I'm going to obey God. See, many times the Lord speaks to us about things and he just wants us to be obedient. He doesn't tell us the next step. You know, I just remember when my mom brought up Tent Nation. It was like a week. It was like the next week. She goes, oh, we're going to go do this. And half the time I'm like, Lord, I never know what I'm doing with you. It's weird. One day I'm over here with my dad. And the next day I'm in Daytona Beach. And, I, and I, I've gotten to the point where now I've just accepted it. Um, <laughs> because it can really, you know, mess with your schedule. And it can mess with plans and things you've had. But it says that he entered, Abraham entered into the promised land. I think that God's promised land and what he has for us is so much better than our own plans of what we're going to try to accomplish on our own. Um, This obedient faith is what I call obedient or blind faith was also exhibited at Jericho when the walls came crashing down after the people had obeyed God by marching around the city for seven days. I mean, think about that one. God just says, go to this city and march around it. Sometimes God says, go to Daytona City and sit in the iMove conference. Go to this conference, sit here. Go to this Bible school. Um, You know, half the time, you know, when Kenneth Copeland came to town, my dad's like, you gonna go to Kenneth Copeland with me? I'm like, oh, I don't feel like it. You know, but I'm glad I went because, and I'm glad I went to the the iMove thing because I was really blessed when I got home. And there was a lot of blessings that came to me after I got home. And, I, and I'm glad I, I kept my attitude straight. And, um, and I, I got to hang around Sony McQuincy and Kevin McNulty and Leslie and, um, and my father while they were there. There's another one right here. All these heroes of faith, like a great, I think it's Hebrews 12. All these heroes of faith are like a great crowd of witnesses that surround us and encourage us to keep the faith with God. So let us shrug off everything that comes against us. Refuse every temptation to sin, which the devil wants to entangle us with. Let us persevere in running the race in which God has entered us with our eyes fixed on Jesus, who is always ahead of us. Without him, we could not have faith, nor could we grow in faith. He gave us faith and will perfect our faith. Sometimes we have to grow in faith. I go around to other ministers because I want to grow in faith. If they're doing healings, I want to know how they're doing it. So I'm going to go to their meeting. If, if you want to be used by God, let them show you where he wants you to go. And then when he opens the opportunity, go. A lot of times I'm asking the Lord for things, and he goes, well, Kenneth Copeland's in town, or Mark, you should go to Mark's. And then I'm like, oh, well, I don't want to go to that. And then a lot of times the blessing or the prayer that you've been praying is right there in that meeting. What you've been looking for, what, what you've been... Um, searching for. Sitting under Kevin and Leslie, a lot of questions were answered, and I got to see them in action. It was so much fun. And um, so God requires obedience or a blind faith like Abraham. He didn't know. He just stepped out, and he left his country, and God gave him the inheritance of the nations for what he did. God always has 
uh, more for us than, than we think that, you know, than, that he does. My sister was telling me a story today, uh, she, how she was leaving this conference she just spoke at, and she's never actually met a Holt International girl. She speaks for the company. She, you know, tells people to encourage to adopt a child or something like that. And the Holy Spirit, when she got in her car, said, go back inside. Because she was about to leave, and she says, no, I'm tired. I'm going home. I want to leave. I got kids. I got stuff to do tomorrow. <clears throat> so after she resisted the Holy Spirit for a while, she finally just went back inside, and a family walked up. And they said, oh, great, you came back. And so they said, so we want to introduce you to someone. And there was a Chinese girl who was a Holt, from Holt International. She was adopted by an American family. And the little girl, and she just got Ashley's book. And she said, thank you for speaking on behalf of people like me who need homes. And she got to hug her and take a picture with her. And she said, I would have never gotten that experience if I just wasn't obedient. I was so ready to go home but the Holy Spirit told me to go back inside and I just, I blindly just walked back inside thinking I'm crazy. They're gonna like, why are you coming back? You just said you were leaving. And this family was right there ready to meet her. And she got to meet a girl and the little girl said, thank you for speaking and encouraging people to, you know, adopt for Holt because you've changed my life. And so sometimes the Holy Spirit is speaking things out and he wants us to take that step of faith and to just do something even though you can't see everything, um, you know, in the way that it's going to turn out. And so um, that's encouraged me that, you know, that the tent can be done, the ministry can be done, healing can be done. And it, and it was so easy when you saw it. And um, another thing I'll, sh- I'll share with you is that, um, oh, and I'll, I'll go, with, go with this. So my dad has been asking me to preach for a long time. And I was telling you the story earlier. And... <laughs> I've always told him, I said, I'm not envying what you do. I do not want to do what you do. Um, dealing with all those people and all the problems and things is, you know, with ministry, that it's just, I see, I don't see the glamour in it because I've lived and seen the behind the scenes. And so I told him, you know, I'm not going to do it. And so then finally, I don't remember what was happening, but I know Mark had had a few talks with me. And that had begun to start to change my mind. And Mark slapped me a few times at his meetings. And um, I remember finally I was at 7-Eleven and it was like this last February or March. And I said, you know what, Lord? Because I'd had a dream that I was in the military and I went and I signed my name up that I was going to, Ken's laughing right now. (laughs) Listen, (laughs) I'd prophesy to you, but this ain't from God. He's going to do something to you too. I'm just kidding. I, I don't know. He pro- you know, God, always, God wants to, um, the church is the equipping, and he wants to take the anointing and to use it for the saints. The, the anointing, it says that on Luke 4, that Jesus returned with power, with anointed with power, and it says that, and his custom was, actually, I'm going to finish my story real quick. So I've been, because I'm jumping all over the place, but I've been resisting God. And finally I said, you know what, Lord, I'm going to, I'll preach. I'll do whatever it is you want me to do. And I had a dream about that I was in the military. I signed my name on the dotted line. And then when I got up, I walked out and I said, and I was about to, you know, go walk out and the staff sergeant or something said, where are you going? I says, well, I'm going to go play in a band with my friends. And he said, no, you're not. He says, you're going to go do what I've asked you to do. And so when I woke up, um, 
I realized that that was me giving my life and saying, Lord, I'll do whatever it is you want me to do. But then when he would ask me to do something, I say, oh, I don't want to do that. And so many times we've laid our life down and says, Lord, just use me in any way. Lord, I'm here. I'm all for you. And then he goes, okay, I want you to do this. And you say, no way, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and so finally after I said, you know what? This was so funny. I said, Lord, I'll do it. It wasn't. 30 minutes later, I was at 7-Eleven and um, I was buying two energy drinks. And I almost remembered the flavors I bought too because I got in the office and my dad goes, hey, I'm going out of town. You want to preach for me? And I'm like, that wasn't even 15 minutes later. <laughs> and so it was funny how right after that, I preached at a school for a whole week, five days. And then I preached, I think, at Rock Springs and then somewhere else. And then um, I even got to minister a little bit out at Tent Nation. And then um, I think, and I've preached in here twice this year. And so, but the the flow of my finances opened back up. And so I started getting jobs from everywhere. It was like the money started coming in. You know, even the place that I went and preached blessed me. And they blessed me way more than I thought I was ever going to get blessed. And I said, man, if I'd have known that, that this is what the Lord had for me, I'd have started doing this years ago. And they just said, hey, thank you. We took up an offering for you. And they just said, here we go. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, that'll cover my mortgage. And so, um, you know, and I wasn't asking, I wasn't expecting that. And I just said, you know what, Lord? It pays to serve you. It pays to be obedient. Because the whole time I'm over here trying to make money my own way and then fine, I'm resisting God. And he's got the promised land, like you told Abraham, I have another land for you. And Abraham just got up and left. And so I think a lot of times now I, you just, we need to get up and move. And so the church is, is that training ground um, for us. And there's a, it says Jesus returned in power, which is the anointing um, from the spirit of, Ga- spirit, oh, of the spirit to Galilee. And news of him went all throughout the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues and was glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up and his custom was, as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. You know what that says to me is that this isn't the first time Jesus preached in that church. It says his custom was in that synagogue. So I think he was the pastor of that church. He was handed the, the book of the prophet Isaiah and he said and he opened the book and he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. You know, the spirit of the Lord is upon us to preach, to go out and minister, to do something for him. That's what the anointing is. The anointing destroys the yoke. Um, the anointing is the grace to do what God's grace you to do. The anointing is for you to just step into um, your gift that God has for you and to use it for God's kingdom. And so that's what the church is. That's what going to these events are is they're not just another thing that's like, oh, I have to go to another church service or I have to go to another, hear another pastor speak or another iMove training. No, it's really another training ground where God is take, grow in your faith. Like I says, he wants Jesus to grow your faith and he wants to impart more of the anointing so you can step out into your ministry and do more for him. And so that's why he, he calls us to, you know, to assemble together and to do these things. And um, I, I love this um, statement. It says, faith will work in your heart with doubt in your head. Mark eleven twenty three. 23, that if you believe in your heart. It says, if you didn't believe in your head, it says, if you believe in your heart. And so Kenneth Hagin made that statement, that faith will work with doubt in your head. 
Well, faith will work in your heart with doubt in your head. And um, <clears throat> the rewards, like I said, of, of having this kind of faith is um, will go on even after you die. Hebrews 11.4. I feel like I wanted to say something else, but then it slipped my mind, but I'm sure it'll come back. Um, <clears throat> oh, I remember now. Thank you, Lord. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, though which we obtain witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and though it being dead, it still speaks. Um, I'm going to read it in this translation because I like the way this one said it. Obviously, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Um, Hebrews 11.4. Abel demonstrated true faith in God by giving his best to him. Even though if it's not, you don't feel like you're the most talented. I saw a lot of things that didn't look like the best, but people gave their best to God. And God blesses that. Unlike his brother Cain, because of his faith, God regarded him as righteous and spoke well of his offerings. And his faith has an ageless dimension. For even though Abel died centuries ago, we still, we still speak of his faith today. And so the rewards of having that blind faith, of having a strong foundation and getting into the word of God and stepping out in faith to do something for God, because this church is going to do something for the Lord. And we're going to make a, I mean, I'm telling you, when we did this tent, the whole five days, it was blind faith. I had no idea what was going on. And I believe that God just keeps put, taking us to that next level. And it says that we still talk about Abel today and the faith that he had of just making his simple sacrifices to the Lord. They still talk about his brother to, to this day, which is not good. And so um, T.L. Osborne was a man that we still speak of today. T.L. Osborne obeyed God with whatever God asked him to do. And he's affected Kevin and Leslie's life. He's affected now my dad's life. He's affected our church. He's affected all the, the group that went out there. He's affected um, the hundred tents that are in Russia. He, and, he's, so, and he's affected Sony, and Sony's out preaching the gospel, and now Sony's kids are out preaching the gospel. And so just having the faith like Abraham, just to step out and do something for God. Whether you don't have all, everything ready to go. I've always thought, oh, you need to have all this stuff ready. I mean, half the time we were doing this event, I was running the sound, I was playing the drums, I was running the lights, I'm, you know, dealing with other stuff in the background. And just doing something for the Lord. And these people, you could tell, you know, they didn't have it all together and it didn't have to be. Half of it looked like, man, this is not professional. But, but you know what? It still happened and people still got saved every single night. People still got healed every single night. I mean, for an event where people, nobody looked like they knew what they were doing. Um, I mean, and, and it did. They, people did know what they were doing as far as, as in, but you know what we see over here just with how big festivals go, you know, there, there could have been things that have been better, but they didn't care. They're just like, we're just going to do it. And I think that that's what God requires is just people saying, you know what? I don't have all the answers. We don't know how we're going to pull this thing off, but we're just going to do it. And, um, I'll tell you another story, uh, this week, man, I still got some time. That's great. Um, I have a, there was a security guard there and, um, I don't know. 
you know, this, this, a lot of my late nights, we, I got off around 12, but then I started to minister to this guy after 12 o'clock. And I'm thinking in my mind, this is, you know, Lord, why am I doing this? I need to go to bed. We have work for the Lord to do in the morning. And, you know, really that is the work of the Lord. But you, you, you put your flesh under. You're not, you know, you're not swayed by every, you know, everything in life going, oh, I'm tired, I need to go to bed, I've worked too hard, I, you know, these people are slave drivers, I can't stand this. And, but you know, you just, you, you get yourself deep-rooted in the word, and you, you just say, praise God, and, so, and you know, God really blessed me by being able to minister to this guy, because it actually really blessed me, because God did something for me that I've been praying for, because I want God to use me more, and I want to be able to step out in the gifts of the spirit. And so I had one of those things happen. So this you know, kid, he's a little bit younger than me, starts talking to me. Well, I, I start talking to him and I said, you know, because he was wearing a, he had a patch on his shirt. And I said, are you security guard for the church? And he said, no, I just work for a company and the guy's a Christian. And he, goes, and he goes, I'm not. So I said, oh, okay. So we started talking and we get into about an, a good 45 minutes. And I said, hey, you know, would you like to pray? Would you like to receive Jesus? I mean, you've told me a lot about your life and, you know, uh, do you know that if, you know, if something were to happen to you today that you'd even make it. He said, ah, no, I'm pretty good. Uh, I don't, you know, my life's pretty good. I don't, I don't need that. And so, you know, I'm not, and I remember what Kevin taught, taught us and I moved training. People don't receive wider way, just keep giving them the word. So I said, you know what? This guy's rejecting me. He's over here telling me. And, you know, he was pretty, pretty foul mouth. And he was saying that this girl that he's got a wife and this girl that was sitting right here, she was in her car bringing a coffee was his side thing. And then his wife was cool with it. And I, I'm just like, I don't even know what's going on now. So he's married and his wife knows about his girlfriend on the side. And she's at the church here. And I'm over here pleading the blood of Jesus and get this girl off the property and all this, this sin in Jesus name. But, you know, I didn't. I didn't get all up in arms and just start preaching that. I, you know, my dad always says, it always goes back to Jesus. That's why you got to be rooted. Yeah. People can get, oh, that is, you know, that is a sin with what you're doing, blah, 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 and get all up in arms. But you just, I stayed calm. I said, well, Lord, what do you want me to tell this guy? He said, just tell him about the love of God. Just preach Jesus to him. So I went at it again. We talked for a little longer because the guy obviously wanted to talk. He was on night shift and I wasn't going anywhere because he had to be there. So I asked him again later on in the night. He said no again. So then we went at it another 30 minutes. I'm almost, we're getting into one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning at this point. We're talking about everything. So I'm like, I'm gonna get this guy born again. So we finally, we start getting into some deeper issues into his life and we start talking about some things he's been through. And finally, I, I just looked at him and I said, listen, man, you've told me this has happened to you. This has happened to you. And I said, I, I'm honestly not sure. You're, you, you're in a, you know, he was an ex-cop and you're in a crazy line of work where you could, you know, die tonight. What if someone drives up on this property? You said you've already seen stuff happen. So finally, I said, what is, you know, let's just pray. What is it gonna hurt? And this girl, I guess, was sitting there the whole time and I'm out there just ministering Jesus to him. And I was like, I don't even care. She's not supposed to be here anyways. So I'm gonna take up this whole time. And I keep, I just keep going. He's rejected me one or two or three times already. So we go at it again. We just keep talking. So finally he breaks down and he's like, you know what? I says, let's just pray. Come on. I says, you know, you want to pray. You're resisting me right now. I can tell you that you're resisting. Just, I said, come to God. I says, you know, I know you're in a mess. So finally he's like, okay. So we prayed and his face lights up and he received Jesus and 
And you could tell, you know, it was really just one angry person. Just, but I didn't know why he was so angry about just life and, and certain things. And he was a cop, and he told me all the bad things he did as a cop. And um, so then I went to bed that night, and I had a dream. And I was with a guy who had bad anger problems. And they had an altercation, and someone came, and I'm, I'm this person in the dream. And someone stabbed me in the throat, but I lived. And then, you know, I ended up hurting this guy. And I guess, you know, he was on the floor laying in a pool of blood. And then I woke up. And I'm like, man, that was a crazy dream. I said, I got to, maybe I shouldn't have laid hands on the guy. Uh, Maybe I, I was like, I've just worked too many hours this week. The dream was so vivid and real. So then the next night I say something. I said, man, I had a crazy dream last night, you know, or whatever. Because we talked about all kind of crazy stuff. Uh, you know, when he was a police officer, he told me about all kind of drugs, Flocka and stuff he'd encounter. And he goes, oh, it wasn't about Flocka, was it? I said, no, it was about something else. I said, I'll tell you later. So then the next night I come back. We start talking again. And <clears throat> this dream just keeps coming back up in my head. And talk about taking a blind step of faith. I could, you know, feel like a real idiot just going and telling this guy. And I, I told him a little bit about the dream because he asked me, he was like, oh, what was your dream about? And I told him, he didn't say a word. He just kept talking, and I'm like, well, that, was, that wasn't God. I guess prophetically I missed that, or whether that's a word. You know, the Bible says he gives your old men will dream dreams, which means your mature men in the faith will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. And so God uses dreams and visions, and he used them a, a, a lot in the Old Testament. But like Daniel says, you pray to God and say, give me the interpretation of the dream. You don't go seek those things, because if you seek them, the devil will give you all kinds of dreams to you. And you could be chasing all kind of stuff. That's why you seek the word. And if God shows you something, praise God. If not, don't go looking for something. So we kept talking and I'm trying to figure out, you know, he received Jesus. And so I'm like, well, what's the next step? Try to get him filled with the Holy Ghost. And he says he doesn't want no ghost. <laughs> and um, that's, that's the fun thing about, Sonny McQuincy says, spend an hour a week going out and talking to people, the unsaved, trying getting them born again. He says, you will learn a lot about winning the loss of Jesus. And so he was telling me a story about he was just at another apartment complex and there was a lady and um, she stabbed him with a heroin needle and they're trying to get her off because he does night security. And so I said, let me ask you a question. I said, I told you about this dream. I said, you ever been stabbed in the neck? I said, I just feel really weird for asking you this. And this is totally, and you know, I'm taking a blind step of faith because I've never done this before with somebody. And so he goes, well, not directly in the neck, but he pulls up his shirt. He's got knife wounds all up here, all down his arms, all down the sides. And I said, so you have been stabbed before, right? Like in the chest. And he says, yeah, I was like 13 years old or 14 years old and I was stabbed in the chest. And I said, so I said, well, can you explain that story to me? So he had a best friend who was black. These guys didn't like him. They didn't like that they hung out. And so a couple, couple boys jumped him and stabbed him to death, tried to stab him to death too because he's, he's a white boy. So they stabbed both of them. Well, he turned around and the guy that stabbed him, he stabbed him back. And that's where I said, that, you know, he was laying in a pool of blood. And so, and then when he, when he pulled up his shirt and he showed it to me, and I was like, okay, we obviously have a deeper issue here than just, you know, than just um, his background. Because he told me, you know, he used to go to a Baptist church. And he told me, he's like, I don't need God, I don't need religion, all this stuff. So uh, 
I could tell that he had a lot of, he was, you could tell in his eyes he was very angry, just with life and everybody around him. You could tell as a cop, the way he treated people, he said, you could tell that it came from his past and what happened to him. You know, he said he'd get out on the force, take his vest off, take his badge off. Someone was, you know, treating someone wrong, and he just, they take him out behind a building, beat him up, you know, do things that weren't right. But I realized that because of his past, it was like he felt like the world was out to get him, and he had to go, and he had to set people straight because people were doing things wrong. So he was going to set people straight, even if he had to take his badge off to do it because of what happened to him and his best friend. And so I said, well, I said, I don't know why the Lord showed me that. Man, <laughs> and I, this guy, when I first met him, being an ex-cop, he was so just tough. This guy was bawling like a baby when I started talking about this. I laid hands on him. I prayed that God would heal him. Yeah. This guy just, I mean, just tears coming down his face that God would restore him for what happened to him, that, you know, God would go into the inner depths of his heart and touch him and heal him. And so, I mean, this guy is just weeping, and, and he's this big, tough guy, you know, when I first met him. And just don't, I don't need God, I'm good. I got my life's good. I don't need nothing, you know, kind of. And he was a pretty tough guy when I first started talking to him. I was like, man, I'm, I, I think like, because he was talking about, you know, people come on the property, you know, he'll just shoot them or something. And I'm just like, but I'm like, I'm going to get this guy saved. And so, you know, the love of God brings a man to repentance. And so that, you know, I had to take that blind step of faith and, and share with him the gospel. And, you know, I love something Mark said to me. He says, you open your mouth and God will fill it. You just open your mouth. I mean, half the time, I don't even start out saying the right thing. It just all comes out jumbled. I'm just trying to ask him. Um, you know, I'm stuttering over myself, trying to talk to him about Jesus. I'm mixing scriptures together. You know, God says, if you believe with your mouth and confess with your heart, the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved. You know, and I'm messing scriptures up. And <laughs> you know, and it doesn't have to be perfect. But the more that I step out, yes, um, it gets a little bit easier because I've done it a few times, but I love something Yevgeny says. He goes, I've been doing this 20 years, and it's still not easy. It's still not easy to go up to strangers and just get them, try to get into their life and talk to them about the gospel. And so I've just noticed with the Lord taking a blind step of faith, even though you don't have the answers, you don't know how it's going to be done. You just say, I don't, I don't know what to do. I know God may be dealing with me about getting involved in certain areas, but I don't know, you know, um, I'm not sure how to do that. And I just encourage that just start taking a step of faith toward that direction. Start planning out those things. Um, you know, get ready for those, those encounters that you're going to have. I mean, I started listening to Mary Fran when she started talking about those things. I started receiving it. I started going over her notes. I started getting into her book saying, God, you know, I, I want, how do you, why do you use her like that? And so I want to be used like that. I want the people to come to know you and um, in, in any way possible. And so uh, that was a really cool thing. And I would have never got to encounter that. And it's really encouraging me because to now just to step out more and to take steps of faith when the Lord's talking to me about someone. And then it's just not me going crazy in my own head. It's, you know, it's not really because you ate too much pizza last night that you had that dream. You know, if you have something, wake up and just say, Lord, you give the interpretation. Show me what it is. Show me, you know, what, what is this? What, are you trying to say something? If you don't get anything, throw it away, walk away, and um, just keep getting in his word. Um, but sometimes you might be surprised that, that, he, that he is trying to speak with you. Just that's the only time in your, your day where you slow down long enough to, to hear from God is when you're sleeping. 
and you're not, you don't have all the, the busyness of life and going on. And, and so um, that happens every now and then, but not like it's never happened like that. But that was pretty cool. And so um, <clears throat> number one, you want a strong foundation. You want to dig deep. Uh, you don't want to be swayed by, you know, what people say, because God can't use you if you're just like a wind of the toss to and fro. You want to be, you want to have strong faith. You want to, um, it says Abraham was not weak in faith. He was fully persuaded what, what God's word said would come to pass. Get around people who are fully persuaded. Hang around people who are not weak in faith. So that they, their strong faith will come on you. God requires blind faith, obedience, and then four, the rewards will go on even after you die. I'll tell one last story. <clears throat> Speaking of the anointing, <laughs> so I'm, I've never felt the presence of God this strong like this, and I love something Rodney Howard Brown said. He says that because the anointing is that gift that's on you that you know, you're to use uh, for the work of ministry. God anointed Jesus with power, so God has given us power. So my so dad has a very prophetic anointing that I don't think anyone's in here seen the level I saw the other night. I mean, he had a word for every single person up there. And I mean, he hit it dead on too, just like Mary Fran. Because they came back and said, who, you know, is this this Pastor Morgan guy? (laughs) So I'm up there holding the camera and I'm supposed to be videoing. They're dedicating all these Russians, giving them, because in Russia, they can't get um, certificates for ministry, license for ministry because of the Soviet Union. So they they don't recognize them as being ministers um, but over here, we can dedicate them and give them, you know, certificates and licenses and stuff like that. Because a lot of them have been doing it for 20 years. So they line all these guys up. So you got Leslie McNulty, Kevin, my dad, and Sony. And you know, Sony was a guy that had Down syndrome that copied TL's book word for word. And then when he went to give the book back in the last day, he woke up healed. And so very powerful man. So they're all four up there. And I'm up there holding a the camera. I mean, when they start, the anointing was so strong that I'm trying to hold this camera up and I'm trying to video all this stuff and, and, we, and I'm like, I almost, it was so strong that it, it was very hard for me to even stand there. And, and um, I remember the last guy, Leslie fell over. <laughs> the last guy, I'm crying and he's not even talking to me. I'm like, this, he's dedicating this guy, this Russian, he's not talking to me and I'm crying. I don't know why I'm crying. <laughs> Um, it has nothing to do with me, but I was crying. And so it was just funny how uh, the anointing is actually a tangible thing that you can actually feel. The anointing can be transferred. It was transferred from the woman with the issue of blood from Jesus to her. She actually felt it because Jesus said, who touched me? I felt, I perceived that power went out of my body. And so God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went around um, healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil, Mark 16. And he, and he calls us to go out to heal the sick, to lay hands. And so you have that same anointing. You have that same transfer. Now it isn't always tangible. Uh, TL says that every time he went out and preached, he says, whether it was there or not, I just preached and people got healed. Whether, you know, whether I felt it or not, I just, half the time he said I never felt it. But you know, the anointing is there and it is working. And um, I just thought it was so funny and how, prophetic pastor got, and I videoed the whole thing. I've never seen him, I've never seen that his gift um, like that. It was like 30 people, and he went down the line. I mean, just, they did five to 10 minutes on each person. Sony says something, and sometimes it wasn't always Sony, or, you know, they would just pray, but it was like dad had a word for every single one of them. And so even, 
I've seen him step into that gift more as he's, you know, and I don't know why, if, if, it's, if it's, he's just held back on it or if just because the people don't see him that, they don't receive it. But, and it was so strong, even on him, that I literally was like, I couldn't stand, I was crying. I almost cried at like every person. And I'm like, I don't know why in the world I'm crying, but it was, it was so heavy. And so uh, Rodney Howard Brown says, the reason you're gonna get a new body when you go to heaven is because the anointing with God is so strong that you'd be on the floor and the angels would be picking you up and dragging you all over heaven with our human body. And so that same anointing, you know, we're, we're carriers of that anointing. It says, God, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus returned with power. So if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, Jesus w- waited until he got filled with the Holy Ghost and then he, and then he went into the church. And, um, and so I would just, you know, view church as, as a training, training ground. It says that we're to be a good soldier to not, of the army of the Lord Jesus Christ, not to get entangled in the affairs of this life. There's so many things going on we can get entangled up with what people say, what's going on in the media, but realizing that souls are what matter and that Jesus is coming back soon. And that, um, you know, this is a training camp for you to find out. It says that when Jesus ascended, Ephesians 4, he gave gifts to men. And um, I think I'm out of time, but I'll read that one last time real quick. The, um, <clears throat> he, he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints and for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so we're in the body of Christ and we have a job to do. Each person has something God wants you to do. There's an anointing, there's a grace on your life to do it. And you're here to learn about that, to step into that so we can go out into the city and just to really start reaching it. Even me, I'm spending more time, you know, Lord, show me what, you know, there, um, there's anointing on people to sing and to play. There, there's professionals who are good, but then there's people who are anointed to do it. And you can tell, and then one thing I heard is that when they begin to play, the presence of God just flows right in. There's people that are anointed to make money. There's people that are anointed uh, to preach. There's people that are anointed. I mean, we're all to be ambassadors and preach the gospel, but I'm talking about pulpit, stand, stand up in a pulpit and preach. Um, there's, there's anointing to serve. And so, I, and I'm, I'm actually getting um, Rodney's book on that because I'm gonna start reading more of that. But he talks about getting into your anointing, getting, in, getting equipped in church, getting involved in church and serving and start stepping out with that blind faith and to let that anointing just, just to come out of you to whatever. So, I mean, a lot of us, I think, you know, finding out what that is, how to use it and, you know, to let God continue to move. And, and even the Bible says to covet spiritual gifts. And even when, he, when they said that, I started praying. I said, Lord, I want to be used like Mary Friend. I want to be used like Mark Hankins. I want to be used like Kevin and Leslie. I want to do what it is they're doing. They have all these, you know, they, she, Mary Friend would talk that she says that she walks all throughout the city all the time and she sees things. She'll just walk up to people, she, you know, minister to them because the Lord will, sh- and she just says she can't get away from it. But it's like the anointing is so strong in her life. Her faith has grown so much that it's like she said she can't turn it off. It's always on. And so even for me, I'm trying to, um, you know, learn, learn more about the gifts of the spirit and, you know, um, learning. Actually, faith comes by hearing. And so when you learn something new about God, then it becomes active in your life because now you have faith for it. If you didn't know about it, if you didn't know it was for you, you wouldn't have faith for it. 
And so I believe there's many things we're to learn and there's a lot of good things that are going to happen. Um, I think that Apopka is going to see, a, you know, an awakening and our church is going to be involved. It's going to be a lot of work. But I think a lot of the people are going to be the ones that step out and to do the work, that are going to go out and minister to people in the streets and, and invite them to come to the festival and then minister to them while they're at the festival. And it's so easy. It's just stepping out and just taking a step and doing something. Um, and so I just encourage you with that. And um, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And I'm glad you guys stuck with me for the hour and 15 minutes. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the message that was preached. I thank you that we would have strong foundations. We wouldn't be moved and swayed by the affairs of this life, of little petty things that go on, but we would, we would look to the author and the finisher of our faith, the Lord Jesus, and his soon return. Father, that we would begin to step into the gifts and the callings you have for us, and that we would walk in those anointings and those graces that you've given us. We'd learn about them. We'd learn how to use them because we know that that things are coming to America and we know that there's, that you're willing to do things. And Father, you're not going to do anything apart from man. Anytime that, you know, God, you wanted to do something, you raised a man up. You raised Gideon up. You raised Moses up. You raised Abraham up. They weren't, the people were crying out at Israel and said, God, send somebody, send somebody. And so you went and you went and found, you got Moses and you found Moses. And I'm sure that if Moses wouldn't have obeyed, you would have went and found another one. Like you said to Esther, you said that if you don't, God told Esther, he says that if you don't deliver your people, that, you're, that Israel will still be delivered, but it won't be by your hand and your house won't be saved. So God uses us. And I thank you, Lord, that you are gonna use us as we step out in faith. Because apart from us, you, you know, you, we are your hands, we are your feet, we're the body of Christ. And it's not, the work's not gonna get done if, you don't, if we don't do it. And I pray that people would begin to step out in faith and just minister to people, pray for people and to step out in blind obedience and just obey and be faithful and to be a good faithful servant. And then we will soon see the reward of that. I pray for every person at the sound of my voice just to hear that, to take it, to receive it tonight and that we would be a mighty army for you, Father, in the city of Apopka. And some of us will go further than that. And I pray that this church would be a, a base that would just raise people up that would raise up young ministers and, and, and the old and the, and the middle-aged and the new and the, and the, the seasoned and the, and the new that are coming in and that we would raise up all kinds and send them out for the work of ministry, Heavenly Father. And we thank you for that tonight and give everyone safe travels as they go to Thanksgiving tomorrow. And in Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening to this powerful message. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to www.wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.